you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Oh, let me change that. <laughs> oh, we already got, we've already seen that one. Let me just uh, quick. Something new and different. Exactly. You know, can't get overdo the wallabies. So, right. <laughs> see, what, what have I, what's been my theme? Let me, let me find some nice wooded area here since I just went for a nice walk in said, ha, how about that? There we go. Perfect. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Love it. That, that kind of looks like up where I got my cabin. It's very, well, I guess we have a lot more like pines and firs up there, but uh, okay. it kind of feels the same. <laughs> there we go. Deciduous. I got deciduous going. Let me, we have to have done all this prep already. All right. You're a real pro with all the prep. That's what makes you the pro. <laughs> you know, I got to I got to get the the makeup on and the sound reduction panels. You That's know, funny you say correctly. that because I'm looking at I'm like because it's hot in here right now because I stupidly broke my AC and this office is horrible. It's like a, a sweat box without the oh, AC. No. Yeah, it was my I, uh, fault. I'm stupid. <laughs> so I, I was so looking how did at you break AC. You, did you overdrive it? How did you break your AC? Okay. So I, I, I don't know if I can tell you because my my Mensa cred will go way down and people will be questioning, really? <laughs> Who did you sleep with and pay off to get into Mensa? And, and it, did you poke it with a stick? I, I'm not <laughs> going you? to answer that. I can neither confirm nor deny that question and answer. <laughs> Let me you can just gloss right over that. It's user I, error. There was a mechanical failure and user error. Are the yeah <laughs> things ensued and happened, and I was stupid. So it's warm in here, and I'm looking at myself. I'm like, yeah, I'm a little sweaty, and I'm a little red, and I'm like, where's our makeup people? Shouldn't we have makeup people by now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think it's kind of funny. We've been doing this for a while now, and I, I don't keep track of exactly what stories I've told. I was on TV a couple times doing morning movie reviews because one of the Mensa publicity and outreach things was, let's get a Smarty in there when there's a Smarty movie. So at one point, the Einstein movie was out. Remember that? And oh, yeah, yeah. The Spice Girls, which was kind of like, yeah, let's get a Smarty in there to talk about this brain trust of a movie, the Spice Girls. Having said that, I, I have was hair light even back then and they'd like put you know powder on me and stuff like that and it i was sweating right through it not out of nervousness because i'm i talk pretty well and i'm pretty glib but in the studio you don't realize how many lights are trained right on you in order to get the perfectly natural sunlight indoors if right. you will so at one point after they had like boom, hit me with the big powder puff makeup they, they said, sir, we're going to have to seal your head. <laughs> and they really had to put some kind of like a lacquer on me. And, and so that I would not be like sweating on camera. Like I was a convict that they had brought in to do this movie. <laughs> and then what's funny is, of course, it, it, it all went well. I, I had a nice time. It was Fox News in the morning, back before Fox had really gone insane. Then I had done that downtown and I was not working consulting at that point. I was consulting out in the Chicago suburbs. So... I get on the train to go home, and while I'm walking to the train, etc., people are giving me the honest looks, and I realize after a while it's because I've got studio makeup on. I got my head glistening because I've been sealed with this varnish, and I must have looked really weird, like a, a crazy clown out on the streets. You know, who knows when he's going to pull out his his knife? And I well, just it was a, an odd, fun experience. Waterproof so. Al. It sounds like an action figure. Yeah. And I, you know what? If I hadn't like, I, I'm happy that over the course of the day, I didn't get like a reaction to, you know, your head is where you give off a lot of your heat. And, and in my case, a lot of my sweat. And if that's sealed, I could have been like 
overheating. You know yeah. what I mean? It's kind of like if you throw a blanket over your engine, <laughs> your so, car will overheat because it can't shed all the energy it's producing. So how'd you get it out? Did it peel off like one big skull cap layer? <laughs> no, I did have to wash my hair head multiple times to where it didn't feel as like slick and rosiny as it had been feeling but it, and it must be like that right they can't have every guest come in have to go home and like scrape at it with a, <laughs> some kind of industrial scraper it's got to be water soluble ish even though it did not let me sweat through it anyway that was sir we're going to have to seal your head you don't hear that a lot of times in your life <laughs> <laughs> well i'm gonna throw it into a book now i'm gonna find some place to throw that into a book and then you'll know it's from you but you know things like that unless you've actually been in that situation people just don't understand and realize how much there really is to some of that and i haven't been on tv though when i was in the band you know we had the lights from playing on stage a lot Uh, and we did a couple little videos of our own and it's you know it's crazy the lights and you get the reflectors and you know we weren't professional yeah yeah. you're all being it's all honed in on you and while you're trying to look cool calm and collected you know you're you're the the cool bass player but you're getting bathed in all these lights and they they, the cumulative heat is a lot so right And, (laughs) and you probably were there for what, like 45 minutes to an hour and they asked you like 300 right. questions and you spoke for five or 10 minutes and then they cut it down to a 30 second sound bite, you know, and just <laughs> cut little bits and pieces here and there. That did, it, what was really nice, one of the dangers of going on as, you know, in fact, this is no lie. At one point up on the screen, they had Ellen Baltus comma genius. And it's like, oh, that's <laughs> the world is going to love that. They always love this. So but the, the host and hostess were wonderful. Sometimes when Mensa gets interviewed, it's like almost like attack journalism. They really want to catch you yeah. in a mistake. They really want to ask you a question. that will show you're not so smart. Instead, they were curious about Mensa. They were very gracious in what kind of things we talked about the movies. And 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 what, what one of the most fun things they had, you're right, it was probably an hour's worth of stuff that they cut down into like a 10-minute segment. But the things they chose were good tv there were witty things that the exchanges were good between us and that the stuff i talked about with the movie and they did little intros and outros where it's like this is where we're going to you know bring you in or we're going to go out on the camera and so they had me doing stuff like looking off <laughs> into the distance stroking my <laughs> oh that's pretty <laughs> funny for like, news oh, it, it was those were so when they said you know do something like that and then they you know they laughed when I did it, and somehow they edited out their laughter because all it was was you know, the silence of me looking, you know, thoughtfully off into the distance. It really was, I think I've done it three times now, and it was a great time. Another thing, you know, I had this experience from Jeopardy, but especially on the news program, what you're seeing on camera is all like beautiful. Everybody's be- beautifully dressed and made up, and the, and the desks are all clear just outside of camera view it's chaos there's cables everywhere there's the next segment things going on there's like a leopard in a cage over here for some fucking reason you know what i mean there's all kinds of crazy going on right around it but they've learned how to hone in on exactly what they want to be in camera shot and so why like that when you're walking on stage you have to like step over cables and stuff like that because you don't want to like get out plat fall yourself right into camera and it it was cool It's funny you say that, too, because you hear people at times, and this is, you know, you hear this a lot from Mensa people wanting to find something to complain about. They're like watching some show that people love. They're like, oh, yeah, well, you think that show is so great. They never show them eating. They never go to the bathroom. They don't check the mail. Like, (laughs) hold on a second. We get a 42-minute slice of their life every week. But they have the rest of their life. We don't focus on on that show. It's just a piece of it, you know, yeah. and that's like shows movies like Star Wars. You know, people will say, oh, well, this new thing doesn't have anything to do with the Rebels. And it's not Star Wars. Like, wait a second. That was one little like There was a whole universe going on at that time. That's of right. story. What they choose to show you, of course, is is chosen. You know what I mean? It, it really is that. These are the, the beats of the story. These are the highlights of the of the character arc that they're all in. You don't expect it to be real life. Yeah. When I kind of funny, the movies that do that occasionally are startling because, like, have you ever seen my dinner with Andre? No, I haven't. It's talking in a restaurant for two hours, and it's a fascinating conversation. It, um, boy, Wallace Shawn and I, I shame myself by not remembering because both performances were really good. But 
because it was so much not, and then the car exploded. It's not at all spectacular. It really is very human, very wonderful, but startling because it it's kind of like seeing one of Yoko Ono's videos where it's like, here's a building for four hours. You know That's what I mean? startling in totally different ways. <laughs> oh, oh, I have such cool. I, I love, I love progressive rock. Just read Prague magazine for this month. I, I just loved learning this. So Francis Monkman just died, who was, was a great keyboardist. He was with relatively less known Prague acts like Curved Air and Sky. And I think <laughs> they kind of go together. <laughs> really? And Phil Manzanero's 801 group. You know, Manzanero was big in Roxy music and stuff like that. Having said that, <laughs> he at one point was having a conversation with Pete Townsend of The Who, as you might know. And he was talking about how much he liked Terry Riley's works, which were like minimalist orchestrated compositions back in the 60s and 70s was when they were most popular. There was one called in particular In C, and I'm going to have to go listen to it because even though I only read about this last night, I didn't immediately hop on. But it's apparently like interlocking uh, rhythmic sequences, and it's interesting in a minimalistic way, you know, kind of like Brian Eno has done. And the re so the reason that's important is because Terry Riley that he told Pete Townsend about, apparently Pete Townsend went and listened to his music and liked what he was hearing and did some synthesizer and sequencer runs. And where does that appear? In Baba O'Reilly, which is a very oh. famous composition of theirs. That's where the Riley comes from, is Terry Riley's work. It was an homage or at least a reference to his stuff. And, and you know, Baba Riley, as you know, is not known to most people as Baba O'Reilly. It's the teenage wasteland right, song don't, right. don't raise your eyes and so i'm getting chills with like i haven't that's been around for 50 years all this Just time. yesterday is when i learned that everything has those cool little connections and happenstances and wonderful who knew that francis monkman and pete townsend even knew each other right much less that that was directly the inspiration for one of, like a classic who song you know what right. i mean that Oh, well, I, I, I find it pretty kind of amazing <laughs> that Prague magazine still exists and is around. That's pretty uh, yeah. big accomplishment, actually. <laughs> Believe it or not, there's two. Prague is the one out of England. It's one of the few things that I get like imported to me on a regular basis. Every time that I see the charge go through for the continuation of the subscription, I also get a little currency translation charge. It's like, Oh, that's why, because I continue to buy something regularly out of England. There's something magazine called Progression that it's gone to like quarterly publication. Prague is monthly, Progression is quarterly, but it's like one guy's labor of love. He's been doing it for something like 30 years now. John, boy, I'm just not, I'm not good on names today, but, but it is, you know, they are wonderful sources for not only nostalgia things. Let's go talk to Francis Monkman and, and, you know, the giants, Peter Gabriel and stuff like that. There's continually album reviews, CD reviews of all kinds of new stuff coming out. And I must've discovered dozens, if not a hundred various different things like, well, that sounds interesting. That's what this guy's latest stuff is. I liked him in wishbone ash and now he's doing this thing over here. So it's just cool that that little underground of, of, finding out that you're not the only Marillion fan, that you're not the only, you know, you follow Phil Collins' work from album to group to album and that kind of stuff. I, and, and I always have to say, Frank Zappa has a famous quote that like, let's see, writing about music is like dancing about architecture. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that there's automatically, of course, a, a remove, a, a, you know, how can you write about music, which is in some cases, in some cases so emotional and so visceral. And yet, it's cool to see how they do try to describe it. And if anything, just the connections. Oh, here's the latest, this festival that's going on. That's like, am I going to get plane tickets to England? Because I have to go and see the Isle of White or something. Exactly. And, I'll, and, and there's a club in the Netherlands, if I remember it, probably Amsterdam. That were that right up that, that the lineup for the entire month is like all these great, Prague people solo or their bands but doing it in a club setting so when you're seeing it, it doesn't matter like there's 20 out of 30 days a month have man if i lived there i'd be there every night i that would be like my home away from home and it, it just it's very cool that some places have that underground that underground support yeah, you know like cbgb's was in new york exactly that for the punk movement it was where you went and i'm going to be going to a thing called prog stock 
which is, I think I better mention, it's like in, in Rutherford, New Jersey, if I remember right. And it has moved around. They found they find a home every two or three years, the, the new theater or whatever else it might be. But it's all kinds of, what's the term? Maybe like a little more obscure, maybe second tier. It's not the big names in Prague. But anybody who can play Prague is a virtuoso musician, musician. And I just want to be there for like three days and hear more notes than you can hear from any other source in the world. And in some cases, it really like Michael Sadler, who's the lead singer for Saga, is going to be there. There's a woman named Rachel Flowers, a blind keyboardist, that she can play Emerson, Lake and Palmer, Focus, wow. just amazingly cool things. And like blind. You know what I mean? There's some cases where that musical prodigy thing that comes from when you lose one sense, sometimes you gain gain right, other right. amazing superpowers. She's just amazing. And so I get a chance to see not only Prague, but a little bit of Prague fusion and a little bit of Prague metal and that kind of stuff. And that, that'll be a big report after the, I think it's the start of October that I'm going out nice. there. And of course, that's one of those like Colleen likes it, but she doesn't like the immersive. Oh, my God, you're going to hear 30 bands in three days kind of a thing. <laughs> so I got an Airbnb that's within reasonable thing. It's going to be like a seven hour drive to get there. It's it's one of those places where in New Jersey, where they're having it is an OK neighborhood. But if you go the wrong direction, like two out of the four compass points, oh, you're in a bad neighborhood. So I have to <laughs> I got to be careful about where I found my Airbnb. So it's like, well, that was a lot of good music, but my car is up on cinder blocks. That wasn't convenient. Right. You know, I... <laughs> right. You, know so... you, you mentioned talking there. You said album and then you changed it to CD. And we talk about language and there's an example of language changing because we grew up with an album being an LP, you know, a record that's this big. But now I think of album more as the the collection of music, whether it's an LP, a CD, or an MP3 online. Album Absolutely just is true. the generic referral for me. I revert back to album because of that. Because nowadays, when I talk about CDs, people are like, "Don't you know about streaming? Don't you know that they've digitized this and you can just get it without having the physical thing of it?" Having a dementia attack there? <laughs> really? I just need to revert. You know, it. I, I'm happy to embrace new terms, and and sometimes things get retro nimmed where now it is the right collection, the right word for a collection of songs and that kind of thing. Right. It's, yes. It. it a, a quick complaint i think it's always amusing when and i think this is like a, a back row nim you know where they actually they made up a nice word that they thought was the good connotation for what they wanted it to be and then they figured out what letters it should stand what what you know each of those things should stand for so like scuba came not that way it really came from self-contained underwater breathing apparatus right and then it was so handy to just say scuba and here's another you know if you will a smarty pet peeve you know if you don't say it as a word it's not an acronym. It's an abbreviation. Like when you say ATM, you don't say it, Adam. You say ATM, and therefore it's an abbreviation or an initialization. But an acronym is only like for FUBAR, for SCUBA, for RADAR. Those are things where the the th COVID, you know what I mean? COVID isn't a new word. It, it's right, you know, um, I don't know what it stands for. How embarrassing is that? Yeah. But it, it's, you know, the, the novel new version of that particular strain of right, infection, right. et cetera, et cetera. So, and I try not to be, I don't, I'm not the guy that in conversation says, oh, gotcha. Because I kind of hate those people too. You know what I mean? Right. Really? You're so and, determined to be right that you're not going to be friendly. You know what I mean? Well, to go <laughs> with that, I'm going to the ATM machine. Well, you know, the M stands for machine. machine <laughs> you don't exactly. have to double. But that's Are the you example. Use your PIN number? Right. That's <laughs> right. the example, though, how the the acronym becomes the word, and that's what right. we use to refer to. So in that context, saying ATM, which is technically accurate, doesn't right. sound right to us. And we say ATM machine. And like you said with scuba, it right. it's an acronym. We should put dots after every letter, but we don't because we it's don't. become its own word now. And that's and, right. That's why you get people that are the the word and grammar Nazis, like, oh, this is like this, like it's changing all the time. And it's not worth, you know, the what was the 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 uh, language from back in the day, the ubonics they were talking about. And it right. wasn't ask, it was axe. And a lot of people say that and they got used to it. And I believe it's actually in the urban dictionary now, which is unofficial, right. but you know, it shows right. people use it. Yeah, I read, there's a whole book, but I read an excerpt, an article about it that 
people made fun, including me to a certain extent, of Ebonics because there were certain things that like it's it's not a new creation, it's a wrong version of the way that we regularly speak. Like an artist named 50 Cent, it's like, you know the plurals have an S, right? It's sense, it should be. And 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 so I tease about that a little bit, but then you find out that the way in which languages develop and the way in which people talk, it isn't a corruption of existing, it's got roots in another way to say it so like acts is one of those examples it's it has validity not as the wrong way to say ask but a, a, a an acceptable cultural or ethnic way of saying right. that that's just how they say it and after you've had it around for 50 years and they didn't like get back in here correct that it's just accepted that's how languages grow and that's develop. how it works it branches out Exactly. And and not only in spoken, but in print. Colleen and I talk about this often because we are word geeks and we and we love this kind of stuff. There's a progression for like, for instance, what we just talked about acronyms. Now, often I see NASDAQ in print as just capital N, A-S-D-A-Q. And it's like, well, you know that it once did stand for like North American stock. Right. Another one that I should know. I'm sure that on Culture Quest, I'd be able to like dope it out as to quotation must be the cue, et cetera, et cetera. But when it first appeared, it was NASDAQ with all dots, as you were saying, each of those is an abbreviation. And then it was just the, the six letters. And now it's actually been on all capitals. And so I've seen that for NASDAQ, I've seen that for COVID. The COVID is now just capital C right. COVID instead of all caps. And is it a particular newspaper, the New York Times, that is the leader in, okay, we've decided to un all caps it. Now it's just a word. And so you'll see scuba, of course, as not even capital S anymore. It's just a word. It's just scuba. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's not even attempting to show. And what happens then is because people get used to, oh, there must be an initialization or an abbreviation, et cetera, behind that. Mensa is one of those things that what does that stand for? And it's like, actually, it doesn't stand for my ego needs stroking always. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which I've seen some very funny proposals for what Metzer could stand for, <laughs> if you will. But actually, it's the Latin word for table, which was right. meant to denote it's a round table. And I love this, because I love these language discussions. You also find out that Mensa means cafeteria in German. And so when you go over there, it's like, oh, yeah, we're all just full of ourselves. We're so, you mean fancy like the place that sells <laughs> sandwiches in plastic? You mean that with the, like, the, the, the hairnets? The jello and hairnets, <laughs> that place? And also, I think that it means like a foolish woman in Spanish, like foolish older woman. And, and so, it's very funny whenever you get that word that has multiple meanings across languages, you kind of can't keep putting on airs if it's like, wow, I, I'm in Mensa. Oh, you're a member of the Foolish Woman Club. That, that's not any good. We, we should have a parody logo instead of the table logo, have the Foolish Woman logo as the parody. Right, right. It, I, I, I really, I love learning the background of those kinds of things. And I love learning how they've, they're available. They all like, Whenever Colleen and I, like, I don't know, is it Oxford English Dictionary declares like these are the words of the year where like some things that didn't exist before. So, for instance, Homer Simpson has contributed, you know, don't. don't. It, that, that was one that really like kind of bothered Colleen because it didn't exist before. And it's it's, uh, I guess, useful. It's useful in that context of like it could be that you, we used to say oops or right. my bad or, you know, oh, or that kind of stuff. And the the simpsons so let's see they contribute embiggened that embiggens a man it didn't exist before some writer for the simpsons said you know we we need a word that that is how people get all puffed up or how they so embiggens and also cromulent cromulent is one of those things it's like well, what does that even mean apparently whatever you wanted to because it's a made-up word for the simpsons <laughs> and from context of course <laughs> you can try to figure out what it meant to them but I, it, when when people talk about language and they'll say, well, you know, every word is kind of made up. Way long ago, when language was first proto-language, you can kind of tell that many things were onomatopoeic, that they sounded like what was going on. So club, or, you know, something that has the the, right. the connotation and then it has the denotation of it's a, a whomping device. But I think that that's true for many, many words that we don't Oh, yeah. Kind of narrowed on onomatopoeia to be a very direct thing, like buzz is the sound that bees make or something. But many, many words sound just like what they should if you were trying to come up with a word that right. could lightning. It's very sharp and quick. Or, and, and 
I'm all over the place today. Monty Python once had a a, a skit, if you know, where they talked about, well, that's a very woody word, you know, <laughs> it's gone off and recidivist. It's very tinny, recidivist. And, and they just made fun of like the mouthfeel, the mouth sound of various different words. And that's probably what first got me thinking about a lot of words are like that, that they yeah. were in the skit. You know? they, they describe. Yeah. And, and, you know, the English, we're horrible about pronouncing other languages. So we'll get a word and we don't hear it or say it quite correct. And then right. 100 years later, we've got a whole new word that came from that, but it's spelled different and sounds different. You know, that's right. Some things are direct lifts. You know, I, there's, it's kind of funny. I'm, I'm over, there's a quote along the lines of, you know, English is the language that follows other languages down the alley and knocks them out and then rifles through their pockets. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. we have, you know, kindergarten is very accepted in English, of course, very German word. Yes. And like Gesundheit, there's a, and you can kind of go language by language. Well, there wasn't a better word than, I don't know, we haven't adopted bonjour for hello, but is hello only English? I'm trying to think of like yo-yo comes from the Polynesian, you know, right. there's kinds of things that just, we talk about in Scrabble words, the reason that a lot of words are valid in Scrabble is because they're words for a plant or an instrument or a coin where there really isn't an English equivalent. It never got translated. But when you say real, it's like that's what that coin is called. And so it had to be adopted into the dictionary because now enough people are using that right. and bot and things like that. Whereas other things, somehow they carry the foreign distinction with them and you're not allowed to use it and is it just about a popularity contest that not enough people are using that because the country's not big be, enough be, not because currency the, the letters that form that word made a super pack and they were able to pay off the dictionary people <laughs> so they could right. bump out the other words <laughs> right and one thing that's very handy if you're a scrabble player is that you know you're not only looking for words you're often looking for English standards for what would be useful as parts. So you're looking for ED endings or ER or ING and, and the various different phonemes and gerunds and, and you know everybody, it's kind of funny. I think I could define a lot of those things, but I'm not sure anymore. Right, right. Um, yeah, me too. I said that some words look odd because it's a foreign language and like, you know, bot is, is it H-A-T or A-H-T? And they're like, well, if I spelled this wrong will they even know because it's not common and sometimes it might even be well maybe it's acceptable that this is the laos version and this is the thailand version or whatever else it might be right. they actually play like that there's some things that are just they're not firm they're kind of floaty there's all kinds of cool memes about like tor is a rocky hill in in england scotland etc maybe ireland I should know because they'd be happy to tell me just how wrong I am. That's not Scottish, you know. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> but having said that, then you find out that this is called, you know, exactly in that way, the Welsh word for hill. And then they called it Tor because it was on the border. So you find out that what it really means is hill, hill. You know what I mean? Right. I know I've read an example where it's kind of like every time that you have explorers go into the Inuit culture. And then they find out that that wasn't the word for snow. That was the word for the animal on the snow that they were pointing to. And so, you know what I mean? So right. they get all these interesting mistranslations and adoptions. And like you said, they kind of morph over time too. So oh. I, I, I often say the English is like the Swiss army knife of languages, which is itself a Swiss army knife appropriation, if you will. <laughs> right. and, and one of the things with like writing, you'll get editors or other readers, you know, other authors, readers that will rip things apart. Like idioms are sometimes the worst. We're very, you know, when you read, you says he locked his gaze on that person. And, right. and, you know, we understand what that means. We use it. It, it. it conveys what we want. But then you get the other says, well, how do they do that? He can't lock, lock his eyes. He can't lock his eyes on. He pulled them out and putting them on there. It's like, no, we use this all the time when we understand the meaning of it that, right. you know, move on. But there's so many writers and editors that it's like, no, you must change that because it physically is impossible. Right. So okay. Yeah, I'll it to, he fixed his gaze. Well, how does that might be more common, but that doesn't make any more sense than locked his Exactly. Et cetera. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I've had a couple people call out a few things like that, but then I like read the exact same, you know, a wording choice in Dean Koontz or Stephen King. So I'm like, if they can do it, I can do it. <laughs> exactly. I, I, as you know, I'm, I'm really playful with language. I am often verbing nouns and just using things in, in a kind of a semi wrong way because it's funny to do that. It brings along emotion and tension because of the wrongness and whatever else it might be. 
And I, I don't do that because I'm a fool. I really do know what I should be using, but I'm bored with using the same word over again. Yes. If I write a paragraph and I'm using the same word, if you will, the same meaning, I'll still have three different words for it because I don't want to repeat revolver, revolver, revolver. No, it's revolver and pistol and gun and repeater and all the gat, whatever the things I can come up with. And it's funny, I'm not sitting there with my thesaurus open so that I can do that in an artificial way. It's just a, I have a big vocabulary, I guess. And it occurs to me that it'd be more interesting to use that as a way of uh, playing with it, I guess. Yeah. I don't have to repeat myself. Sometimes then when you choose repetition, it's more powerful because it's kind of like there was no better way to say he hit him and he hit him and he hit him. You know what I mean? If you did it, he hit him and he punched him and it, and it wouldn't have the same thing. It's just the repetition is what you get of where he just pounded the guy. Right. <laughs> and that's what you're going for is the effect of it the connotation as well as the denotation, I, I'm i willing to bet that for almost all the things, maybe with an editor or just somebody reading it, that if they were to ask me why I did that, I'd be able to say either subconsciously or quite consciously, I did it because of this. I wanted it to be the long version here and then the short version here. This was leading into it. And then you want the punchy version when it's the punchy part of the paragraph, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. It, 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 it's, it's like if I say, <laughs> oh, how did I fix that? Oh, I MacGyvered it. We know what that means. I add ED to the end of lots of words and you get people like you. That's not a normal way of using that word with ED. I'm like, but you totally know what it is. And there's a podcast I listen to called Grammar Girl that talks about that type of stuff and how people can use these. And even though it's not in the dictionary, not an accepted form of that word, but it fits and we know what it means, or it may even be more accurate than the way we actually use it. Like left and leaped. It's fixing in a very like ingenious way, like yeah. MacGyver would have. You know what I mean? Out yeah. of, of a, a, a straw and a pair of dice, he managed to make a nuclear reactor. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you need bubble gum for that. There we go. <laughs> the the <laughs> one example, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Lupton Leap. Yeah, the one example I remember on her podcast was a kid that didn't understand yesterday, so they would say lasterday. Well, actually, that makes a lot more sense than yesterday. So that kids and my mom always tells the story when we were young, we'd go to the local drive in and I'm like, but why do we call it a drive in? Because it's outside. It's a drive out. Well, that makes more sense. Exactly. That's funny. It, it, or, or at least they're both equally valid. And it's only whichever one caught on first or whichever right. one first put like, you know, we know this is the truth. Like, um, some places have uh, the word becomes, it's called an eponym, right? Where aspirin wasn't always called aspirin with a small a. It was a brand name right. in, in the United States, at least, and much of the world. You have to defend your trademark and your patent and your brand name by not letting other people use it. So there's all kinds of things in English that were once cellophane, aspirin, Xerox, exactly, that they were once a very specific, this company makes this thing, and then when it caught on and everybody just started to refer to Kleenex as Kleenex, in some cases they really fought it. And in other cases was, wow, we are so popular in the market that all Kleenex are now Kleenexes, Kleenexes, as Colleen would correct me too. There, there you go, that's a great, exactly. yes. <laughs> So Colleen and I, we make fun of that. Then when you know that that's what happens, like indexes, indices, and I know that I've said things like, He's wearing multiple pieces of latex, so those are all latices, but not lattices. And you know what I mean? We we play with the English language is great for it. There are some patterns, and there are some patterns that get broken, and sometimes for a reason, and sometimes out of laziness. But if that's the thing that gets adopted, then it, it just is. You can fight for the purity of the language. And from what I understand, the French government actually has a department where they try to maintain that, the purity of the French language. <laughs> they don't want to adopt foreign terms or have French terms corrupted and stuff like that. But in English, I think that the librarians and the teachers might try to have it be that kids don't get it wrong. You know, the first time you use despicable, it's like, well, the cartoons corrupted that from it's despot, so it should be despicable, not right. despicable. And yet... If you got, let's see, was it Sylvester or Bugs Bunny? Whoever it was, you know, saying that once it's in a hundred million minds because they saw the cartoon, there's no going back. <laughs> right. Right. Halley's Comet is Haley's Comet, 
because somebody famous said Haley's and then forever after it's Haley's. It just is. When I say Haley's comment, they give me a look like, do you know, are we talking about the same thing? Right. You know you're talking about. Yeah. I'm going with the original. That guy pronounced his name, Hallie. And so it should be how you say his name. Right. <laughs> sometimes it just depends on the region you're in because different regions will pronounce it different. And that doesn't invalidate either pronunciation, but like, okay, the, the big one that around here that has caused arguments is Neanderthal or Neanderthal. Colin will jump down your throat and correct you all day long. If you see Neanderthal. So of course I refuse to say Neanderthal. I will say Neanderthal <laughs> 500 times in a row just because he gets so worked up about it. And I looked it up and found that Neanderthal is actually accurate. There's just some areas and regions that say Neanderthal. And it just so happens when he was into the Fortean zoology and where that was centered, that region used Neanderthal. So that's the way they always referred to it, but it doesn't invalidate the air. And he will not accept that. To him, it's Neanderthal and it's wrong. And orangutan and orang orangutan, you know, and right, right. you know, and he'll correct you on that one all day long. And yeah. I, I'll just say it the opposite way because I really don't care. <laughs> but most people know what an orangutan is, but orang orangutan. And they're like what so right it it there are so many of those and it, and it, let's i i i have a, a friend in mensa that often like when i'm making a joke they correct my stuff and it's like well i really do know better i, I just i'm playing with words and that kind of stuff but you know what now that i've had to explain it you spoiled the joke yeah so, <laughs> You know what I mean? It, it it's it's funny there, that instinct of being the person to correct, being the the one that knows the language better. It's very strong in some people, and I hope that I really do know a lot of words. I remember taking some kind of vocabulary test that said the English, most people know about thirty thousand words. And that seems like a huge number, but but it's not. It, the English language is big, and I I knew something extrapolating from all the various different things I knew that I had like 10 times that 300,000 words. I'm like, can that be? Cause I don't know every medical term and every, I, I can't believe that kind of, but <laughs> when I play with language like that, like I said, I, it's so easy for me to make puns or multiple uses in a paragraph or something, because I really don't have a problem with coming up with alternate versions of various different things they just kind of flow out of me whatever little filing system i've got it sparks oh you know that this isn't only a cup this is also a, a schooner or on you know and you go up and down as to is it a matter of color is it a matter of size is it a ewer because it's a pitcher is it you know a, right and like a mug because it's got coffee and is it only a mug if it's got hot beverages in it can you have when you have a mug of beer so it's not a matter of temperature and then as you even talk about it you can say well, that's why I choose the thing I do, because many things have connotation as well as denotation. And many things you choose just the opposite because it'll be funny to say right. ordinarily what I would call the cup you put in ice. Like, I don't know, what do you put an ice cream in? I guess it's a bowl or it's a, a parfait glass or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You And so it it's fun to me to think of exactly so many ways to approach this and almost all my choices are like quick, but deliberate. They're not that I, I, I'm sure I make mistakes. I'm not full of myself like that either. I regularly get words wrong because the first way you heard it is the way you think it is. And then you find out that, nope, it's bigger than that, or it's mispronounced. Or you read it before hearing it. <laughs> exactly that. That's a, a, a standard, like a Mensa meme is don't crack on people that, that say something wrong. It's because they, they internalized right. it first as a letter sequence, not as the spoken word. Right. You know, so. And we quite often do not pronounce things phonetically the way they look that we've learned. And that's right. There are more exceptions to rules than rules. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And it's funny. I was laughing because the first I had a writing coach for a while and we didn't click. Part of it probably was large part of it was probably. I was just too newbie to understand a writing coach and what the benefits. So I, I won't say the person was horrible, but we didn't click. And one of the first things I remember that irritated me and turned me off, but I understand better now is quit using such large vocabulary, just write for common people and I, write like you would talk. And I'm like, 
I, I am writing like I would talk. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know, you know, and and just some discussion, I started realizing like, okay, well, I need to change my thinking. So because I'm writing for like other menses, it's just the way I talk and write, but I need to write for the common third and fourth grader. That's huge and hard to do. You know, what's interesting. Many of the things that I talk about, like comic books and mad magazine and computer programming, I have, I have, you know, a dozen different topics that I'm, I'm pretty good about, but a lot of those things, it's already a rarefied atmosphere. I'm not talking about baseball where, the common man is really much more the the owner of baseball than the the big vocabulary guy, and so I I don't know that I tone down my vocabulary a lot because if you're reading comic books, you've already seen um, mutant adamantium. You know what I mean? There's all right. these things that are there in comic books that are like the references to mythology. The references there's there's already a kind of a, a higher level of atmosphere very poorly said and i'm it's kind of funny as i say that it's like okay w- wouldn't that just be the stratosphere and the ionosphere but you know what i mean it's <laughs> so it's it's i like the fact that by sometimes you do betray yourself remember long ago dennis miller was going to be on monday night football and most sports announcers are pretty much every man and they make references to, you know, yeah, he gave him a good shot there and stuff like that. And then Dennis Miller would say, yeah, he gave him a shot like Agamemnon gave Bubba at the battle. Of, and like everybody in the booth would just kind of like look at him. <laughs> and, you know, you're, he's so smart and has such a command of all those different kinds of references. But they would tease him about, you know, this is just football. It doesn't have to be. This is the literary excursion that we're going to go on to figure out what the hell you just said. So <laughs> that's <laughs> Once funny. In a while, I'm aware that I'm kind of a fish out of water with, I, I, oh boy, we'll be at like a family gathering and and both of our families are very bright, but they don't have my specific knowledge. And when you, in every way, and when you use a word that's too far afield of every man knowledge, they, they get it most of the time because they're smart, but they'll tease you about, you know, may, maybe you could like take that high hat off a little bit and then be like, well, I figure if I do this, I'll just be weird Uncle Al to the kids and they'll find out that speaking well and speaking with big words is just fine. I'm not an alien. I'm not, I'm not you know, someone who's putting on airs. I'm here in my, my, my lumberjack shirt and my jeans and yet I'm using, you know, despicable or something like that. And it, 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 it's a common word. That's right. I, exactly. I get that at work all the time. I'm always being told, okay, that's great, but could you like explain it in English for the rest of us in common language? I'm like, I, right. I did. And they're like, no, can you simplify <laughs> it? I'm like, how do you simplify it? That's as simple as it gets, you know? It, it, so I, I run into that brick wall quite often. <laughs> Another thing that, that this really has happened, like in real life, you, know, you play a game like Scattergories where it's like, okay, it's got to be a certain kind of thing starting with a letter. And not to be weird, but there's hardly ever one. You know what I mean? If you get the letter C for a color, and it's like, well, so maybe the first one that might come to people's mind is crimson, but how about chartreuse? And how about coral? And how about, and I can start spitting them out. And so at one point we had a, a thing where it was like, you know, name a flightless bird. And I said ostrich, and they said penguin. And it was like, both valid choices, right? Nope, penguin is it. Penguin is the flight that that's what everybody should say for flightless bird. It's like, but but I, I said a pretty valid one. <laughs> Why would you think there's only one? Or what about Emo like, is like that? There's all kinds of flightless birds. Exactly. Dodo. Even though it's extinct. <laughs> Why is it extinct? Because they couldn't get away from the crazy hunters that came to his right. So so and it's kind of funny. I, I don't mean to tease pick on anybody in particular but that mindset that thinks that there's only one or that the first thing that came to mind the first thing that they learned is the only thing it's it's off-putting to them to be like and maybe some people just don't harbor disagreement you know what i mean like it it, this is a particular game where you're trying to match it really does matter that you're trying to get on each other's wavelength and and i'm aware that i'm really not on most people's wavelength i really was in that game as the game went on trying to not say the first thing that came to my mind but try to say the first thing that i thought would come to their mind right and and i, I don't know that i succeeded any better you know what i mean when i'm because then it's like well so i'm trying to think of the one with i don't want to insult them it's not the one with the least letters it's not the one that was on a, a cartoon instead of a nature program it's none of those things 
and yet kind of trying to be in somebody else's mind. I am an empathetic person, but I don't know that I'm a mind reader in that way. I really say and do what I want and hope that we'll make a connection. And you and I have talked about this. Part of do you make a connection is how I know who my friends are going to be, right, who it's going right. to be easy to be friends with, instead of, well, I dumbed myself down and then I became everybody's friend, but now I have to be the dumb version of me whenever we're together. That's not fair. It's just not. You right. know what I mean? Right. Mensons are, again, not only everybody, it's about jargon is one of the things that people in various different fields use to create a bond of like, this is insider knowledge. Policemen use different words than the regular public does. So do artists. So do rock and rollers, et cetera, et cetera. And so when you, my younger brother still has all kinds of army words that he uses because he projects that out into the world. And that way, when someone knows what Strack is, you know that they have army experience and there's a bond created. You right. know what I mean? So I guess in Mensa, it's it, like- It's part of your it, identity. Absolutely. And and in, in sending out, you know, I like dealing with well-read people or smarty people or odd people. And so if I make that odd science fiction reference or Monty Python reference or whatever else it might be, I think of people like Monty Python, we're going to get along just fine. That really is one of those things that the sense of humor and the wit of it and the right. the, the of it, all those things Wh work for me. And if it works for them too, we're going to be okay. Which, which <laughs> you know? by the way, <laughs> Flying Circus is on HBO Max, which is now just Max. So Man, if you want to get the best half hours of laughing your butt off comedy, it's that. Yeah. I don't think anything has ever matched it. I love kids in the hall. I love oh, yeah. the state. I love young citizens, no, upright citizens brigade. And yet, man, Monty, Monty Python, Python had such six people, such brilliant writers and brilliant performers and the interplay between them. And just they're amazingly good. They were so consistent for at least three seasons. I think the fourth season was a little bit worse because Cleese left. Yeah. And he, he, he was a, the only good driving force part of the troop, if you yeah. will. But boy, was such good stuff. You know, it, 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 it's interesting. <laughs> you made you made me think of Monty Python and what you just said because we've talked a lot about comedy. You see a lot of comedy. I, you know, yeah. we both like it, and we've. One of the things you said made me think of Big Bang Theory because one of the things Sheldon quite often did, he would ask a question and they'd be like, oh, this and oh, that flightless birds. Well, he says, no, the correct answer is this. And that's the it ultimate. And uh, do not argue. And everyone just shuts up because of his personality. Now, right. And, and it's funny. And it points out in comedy form that style of person. But Man, there are so many, especially Mensons, Collins that way too, that they'll say, oh, I hate that show because they're always making fun of the the guy with autism and they don't portray autism. I'm like, okay, but it's comedy. And Big Bang Theory did so much for bringing to, to light nerd and geekdom and making it more comfortable. And I think the millennials being able to cosplay and talk about this and enjoy games on their phones has a lot to do with Big Bang Theory. And people could argue this, but yeah. I will stick to that hill that it's comedy for one. Number two, no matter how much fun they're poking at it, it's no different than any other comedy. And three, right. what it really shows deep down is this is a group of family that was not family. They're brought together by their their geekdom and their smarts exactly they're in the know? school that specializes in geeks they're they're, yeah. they're jobs are along those lines exactly yeah and i think people have the wrong perspective sometimes uh, you know i don't mention big bang theory at mensa very often because there's too many that want to jump on you why do you like that and they're like seriously <laughs> chill out folks i mean come on <laughs> right it honestly it is a good example of they made fun but they had gentle ribbing and they also got you got insights into that's really what quotes those kinds of people find funny that's how they talk that that's and and i don't know deal with it i i think i mentioned you know we went to the ag and this is the topic what we talked about a couple of weeks ago maybe just last week and part of it was the colloquium it's the focused gathering that mensa does where they talk about like a single large issue right before the ag kicks off and this year was about neuro neurodiversity and there's a big Venn diagram crossover with Mensa over the people that have maybe ADHD or Asperger's or autism. And having said that, those are a lot of the conference was it's not only a medical condition listed in the DSM-5. It's not only a, a problem. It's that there's a superpower involved there, that ability to focus or that 
being passionate about what you love and, and not caring about what other people think of your passion. That's very much a part of many of my comic, the comic book world is kind of odd to lots of other people. But if you're in the comic book world, it's great to see a good cosplay. It's great to get into a great discussion about the whole history of the Avengers and how the MCU <laughs> version of the Avengers does not always match the comic book version, but then the multiverse made it so that, well, they're all equally valid because there are all these various different dimensions. And, and that it's, I love, I, I have often talked about the reason I love going to annual gatherings is because to hear someone who's really bright on a topic and passionate about it is intoxicating. It's very cool for people to take the, the governors off and just say, I love nesting dolls. I got a hundred different sets and I'm going to tell you why they're cool and why this but, is my favorite one. And you know, and they're called like Petrushka. Mat- I thought it was Matroika. Or- Matroika. Thank you. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Yeah. I don't always get it right, but I know it's something it's like close. That. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. Exactly. Let's go. With and, and, I just, whatever that thing is, once in a while, you can see that people tip a little bit over into obsession or that it's debilitating or that it's, you know, your passion is, it's obvious and it's commendable, but hey, if it's wrecking the rest of your life, maybe you shouldn't care only about (laughs) nesting dolls. Maybe you, you should be able to say, I have enough money that I'll be able to continue buying them instead of. I kind of screwed up all I had. Right. <laughs> I lost I, my wife because I, I, I would, one too many sets or whatever. You know what I mean? I so. would love to talk to some sociologists <laughs> about their thoughts. And I'm sure they're split on it that mm-hmm. the current acceptance and understanding of people on the spectrum and the diversity has a lot to do with Sheldon being in the forefront for 12 years. I, I, I would love to get some thoughts and opinions on that. And speaking of, okay, so we had an <laughs> RG meeting the other night for the upcoming Western Pennsylvania RG. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about the author panel that I'm going to be holding. And yeah. I mentioned Bill and Robert said, oh, we've got some new people that have never even met Bill. You know, so Bill's blah, blah, blah. And this guy goes, oh, pfft. He just re- he writes space opera. I'm like, well, no, actually it's military sci-fi. That's a different genre. They, they really- genre focused on different things like that's just your term for it okay i want to talk to you about this at the rg because you (laughs) not to not to get my high horse or anything but you definitely need some education on this because they are not the same people do not read them the same and he just would not accept it and i'm like well that's a typical mensa trait there nope (laughs) i know it and this is all there is (laughs) but but not all people are like that you get lots of that are open it's like oh well, I understand that now, and I didn't see that or whatever before, you know. So, right. It, I, 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 it's kind of funny. There's all kinds of facets to that discussion. Colleen and I just laughed about there's a famous quote from a mathematician or physicist that said, That's so stupid, it's not even wrong. <laughs> that in order to be able to even talk about what's wrong with it, it has to be, is that like in science, it's whether it can be proven or not. Is there right. an experiment you could design to say whether that works out or not? And there really are some people say such odd things, non secret <laughs> or like it just doesn't follow what you're saying, like from, from science, from experience, from anything that like you don't make it, whether it's falsifiable, verifiable, it's at and and we see that oh my God, all the time from the Freedom Caucus or any number of people that, that why do they keep putting a microphone in front of some people's faces? It's obvious that they're not well. They don't have a working brain. They're not even making the attempt to have what they say make sense. So many things are word salad. They're off the top of their head. They contradict themselves within their own paragraph. And and if anybody (laughs) listening needs examples, it's very easy. Just go read the political news of the day. There will be enough examples on there that you'll understand what we're saying. (laughs) Exactly. And I I like a columnist named Jeff Tiedrich. And I guess he's an online columnist. I don't know where he is in print, but he's kind of funny. He's hilarious vulgar so it puts some people off but he is really good at pointing out like he has a his friday if i remember or maybe his saturday is this weekend stupid and he just goes through and says look at what some people are saying and these are people that they're one step away from nuclear codes they're one step away from like the, the supreme court decisions that are making how we run this country you can't believe the ridiculous things that they're saying and doing how how are we allowing ourselves to be like what I've heard it called craptocracy? You know what I mean? There's all kinds of democracy or kleptocracy or whatever that 
really were going to be run by the most stupid, the most uncaring in trying to get to facts, to try to even make what they say from one moment to the next hang together. Aren't you tired of that foolishness and that hypocrisy and that the boldness with which they present the crap that they're slinging? It's disgusting. And yet there's a certain portion of the population like, that's my guy. I love the fact that he speaks truth to power. <laughs> you don't know what you're saying. You found that quote somewhere laying on the ground and you picked it up and that's the noble club that you now wield, even though it's nothing like that. He never punches up. He punches down. She never says the truth. She couldn't care less about finding out. It's it's ridiculous how bad it has gotten. If you're Agreed. at all that says, man, I'm used to statesmen. It used to be when they had a press conference, that person had like the whole country should hear. And that's why we're having a state of the union address or something like that. That hasn't been true with any number of presidents we've had. Oh my God. <laughs> to listen to Trump babble or listen to Bush read like right off the teleprompter, but he didn't even know some of the words that he was trying to say. You know what I mean? And he has kind of gotten better as he's been an ex-president because it's been shown that maybe he does have some compassion and some art in him, even though when he was president, he's the guy that had silly nicknames for everybody. He's the guy that was continually being run by a whole bunch of behind the scenes people and, and did terrible things for the country. Eight years of Bush compared to eight years of Gore, which we might've had if we hadn't had the first ridiculous over overstep by the Supreme Court in saying, nope, hang in chads. Nope, we declare this guy president. It's, I don't think it's still in my craw. It just is. And yeah. yet it's a terrible exercise to think of what if the world hadn't gone into climate crisis because Gore would have been president and we wouldn't have done the evil things we've done. And I really mean evil with not like having still a debate about fossil fuels, not listening to the thousand scientists, listening to the one that was paid off to disagree, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Imagine the better relations we would have had with other countries, the way we would have not let like we wouldn't have piled up to dictators and despots we would have said democracy is good the rule of law is good let's keep having that be what spreads in the world i know this is like we were just laughing a moment ago and this is taking such a big turn but like those kinds of alternate histories that you'll read about from harry turtledove and others it's sometimes like terrible to think about what if the nazis had won the war what if the civil war had gone the other way what if steam power was invented earlier so that we had the industrial revolution all the earlier it's interesting to talk about the extrapolations of one little event, one person, right. et cetera, et cetera. What if Tesla had won the battle instead of Edison or whatever, that the world really could have changed, and in many cases, for the better. The horrible, terrible, interregnum, awful times. You know, they, what is it, the grand, and I'll, I, I'll mix amongst terms. They really have names for the golden age versus like the dark ages. And sometimes it really was, this guy got assassinated and that was world war one. Right. Right. History can change in a terrible way as well as a wonderful way. I'm hoping that now all the things we're discovering with better energy sources, better AI, et cetera, et cetera, that that's going to usher in a new golden age that we really will be able to have higher productivity and more safety and, and, you know, better cybersecurity. It's the way I'm investing. We, you know, we can talk about, hey, my, my investments are recovering because all those good bets that I made that the world had to turn away with when Trump was in right. office and when COVID was happening and all that kind of stuff, the world might be actually waking up and saying, you know what's a good idea? Medical technology that cures cancer. How about that? That's, That's a crazy. great idea. We were talking about Big Bang Theory and the comedy and how it pokes fun at the real world and stuff. Right. And I know we got SNL, but why don't we have a half hour scripted comedy show that's politicians? I mean, they could they have, have a had that, you know, Madam President, right? Was, in the past. Yeah. Right, right. right. And, and maybe not currently. You're right. That we need something that that takes the air out of the worst of the people. And it's funny, you wouldn't have to make anything up. No. Just recite what they just said as yeah. a comedy show. And people would be like rolling their eyes or what a what an idiot this guy. Right. It's right. So, <laughs> all right. Well, hey, I hate to cut this short. I have a meeting to get to here in a couple minutes. So. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I know you're very busy these last couple of weeks. And you know what's good? Money, employment, being the great consultant that you yeah, are. Yeah. Says the says the me and my wife are retired and traveling all over the freaking place. Yeah. Rub it in. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, it's in brief. Hey, everyone who's listening. 
retirement doesn't just like happen. If you really deny yourself in that one marshmallow versus two marshmallows way and be careful and invest and, and like never develop expensive habits, Colleen and I don't have any addictions like got to get the finest wine, got to get, you know what I mean? We're not, we're not addicted to cigarettes nor any number of other vices. What's our biggest thing? She likes coffee. I like Dr. Pepper. That's still available for like dollars, not right. tens, hundreds and thousands of dollars. We can hop in our gas sipping car and drive down to Gahanna and go to the Herb Center. I know you got to go. I think that we have kind of earned our retirement by being careful about saving up till now. And unless we have a disaster, you know, our bank goes south totally, my health goes south, whatever else it might be, I think we'll be okay. And even then, the things that we're doing are like, I don't want to buy an island. I just want to go to like all the zoos in America. I, you know, I just made a big spreadsheet of zoos and museums and art galleries. And that's going to be the kind of thing that we do next is go to those places that we nice. have to, to do yet. So nice. Have fun, Stephen. Always yep. a pleasure. All right. Talk <laughs> to you later, man. Something off our long list next time. Did we get yeah. anything today? Secret exactly. invasion, I think. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's my, that's my two, two word. It's so bad comparison to how good things have been. But we'll talk about that. We'll next talk week. more later. Okay. All right. Talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This has been the Relentless Geekery Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, RelentlessGeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and go check out our YouTube page, where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.